Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Liu. Speaking to you after Toronto Raptors won by a score of 112 to 109 over the Charlotte Hornets in the second of three preseason games before the Toronto Raptors uh, return back to sweet home Tampa Bay. It uh, feels really weird to say that. Uh, hurts my soul a little bit, actually. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Raptors played their second game in Charlotte. They've obviously played them uh, over the weekend, played them again today. And it's kind of a similar game, a little bit sluggish. And by a little, I mean a lot. And there's a lot of things to clean up on. The Raptors have three off days. I'm sure they will be holding practice to address some of these things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, there were some positives as well. I think the, the Malachi Flynn train has definitely... Uh, there's, a, there's a bandwagon definitely for Malachi Flynn. There are, we are accepting candidates right now, but I'm expecting this bandwagon to be full very, very quickly. Considering um, he has looked really, really composed and really good in both games. It also does help that, you know, I mean, I, I'm not one of these, you know, ball family haters. But uh, the fact that he has outplayed the number three pick in LaMelo Ball quite thoroughly um, helps helps with that. Uh, you know, but, uh, and of course, Fred Van Lee was a, a legitimate flamethrower for a, fun, a, a good stretch there. Really, you know, livened up the game there, um, especially in the second quarter, but... Um, yeah, a sluggish game, sluggish game, and, and I'll definitely talk about Malachi, uh, you know, afterwards, but I wanted to recap the game first, because obviously the flow of a game in a preseason game is important, so, um, yeah, I mean, similar to how the first game went, uh, the Raptors were, the first unit just wasn't that good, um, which is surprising to me, it really is, I thought the first unit would be quite good, but both these games, the bench has come in and been, you know, much better than the starters have. Um, and it's been kind of curious. I don't know if it's necessarily anything specific the Hornets are doing. I think it's just the Raptors. Um, that group doesn't really have the kind of continuity, I guess, that I expected them to have. Because you, when you do look at it, right, obviously there's no Kyle. That's going to you know, impact a lot of things because Kyle Lowry is, you know, this magical solution that's going to solve everything. And, you know, I mean, I'm not even being facetious. I mean, he's really done that for the Raptors for seven straight years now. Um, but, you know, when you look at the rest of those guys, Pascal, OG, Norm, Fred, I mean, those guys have all played on the team together for at least four years. Uh, in the case of Norm, I think this is his sixth year now. Wow, time has really flown by. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, those guys have continuity. They played together last year. Those members, obviously, Norm was not in the starting five officially, but Kyle was out. Norm played with them as well. Um, they just didn't look that that great. I think offensively was the kind of the biggest issue here, which um, I think you may be able to chop it down to a couple of things. One, um, they've really featured Norm a lot, uh, and Norm has not really been quite good. Um, it's not necessarily just that he's not hitting his shots, but making some silly decisions, in my opinion, like driving into the paint completely congested, throwing up, you know, uh, forcing a shot, really, or, or, you know, getting the ball 
deflected off his knee and stuff like that. It, it, you know, some of the drives haven't been really great. Uh, the outside shot hasn't fallen for Norm. He's one for seven from three today. Uh, I believe in game one, he was one of eight from the field. Today he was four of 11. So, you know, when the guy you're featuring to score is not scoring and sometimes turn the ball over, that's that's not going to be good. Uh, so that's that's a bit of an issue. I think um, it's it's weird watching the starting five because I don't think OG gets too many opportunities um, to score. I mean, look, I didn't think OG had a great game in general anyway, and he did have the worst plus minus on the team. But um, very few touches for OG. And, you know, Baines has not really impacted the game offensively quite yet. I think he's someone that's definitely going to benefit from really good guard play because he's not going to create too much of his own offense. Uh, you know, when you look at when he played in Boston, for example, probably mostly playing off the fact that they had some pretty good wing creators. Last year, Phoenix played off of the fact that they had some really good uh, wing scores. Well, not a, a lot of really good. One really good wing scorer and, and Devin Booker, but he had a nice pairing with him. Actually, Baines paired well with uh, Ricky Rubio, too, but, you know, that was that was a little unexpected. But, um, yeah, Baines hasn't really clicked in offensively just yet either. You know, some moving screens, stuff like that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, it just, it didn't look that great offensively. And I think that the fact that they were struggling to generate good offense, um, led to a lot of defending and transition. Uh, the Hornets, uh, honestly, the starting five does have some scoring talent. Honestly, PJ Washington, I like him. I think he is, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, a thick forward. He's uh, a physical presence down low. Um, can't really shoot the three, but will shoot the three. Which, you know, sometimes he does get going and sometimes he doesn't. Physical presence, though, can make a play. He can definitely throw down a dunk. Gordon Hayward's just a solid offensive player. Um, and he knows how to play. He was, you know, decent with the Hornets today. Rozier can, you know, can score. I wouldn't say he's an efficient scorer, but he can score. And uh, Devontae Graham is, is good. He didn't hit his threes today, but he was he's still a pretty skilled offensive player. And then Zeller is, you know, whatever. I mean, essentially what Zeller did today is what the Raptors want from Baines. And uh, he did outplay Baines. So, I mean, there was some offensive talent with the Hornets. But, um, yeah, the Raptors, you know, defensively. I think I, I don't, I'm not worried about the defense with the starters. I know all those guys are steady, reliable veterans. They know how to play. Uh, they know how to defend. They defend all their positions. They know how to play in the system. For Baines, he's probably still getting up to speed a little bit in the system. But I don't really see him falling too far behind. I think it's... Um, he's a smart player. He's he can do it, and he's been a good defensive player pretty much everywhere he's gone. So I'm confident in that. But yeah, the starting five just didn't look that great. I think you know Norm was a bit of an issue, uh, and of course he's going to go back to the second unit, so that's fine. But um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, I mean, you know, I don't really know what why why it wasn't that good. I mean, look, really the the, the starting five. They got a lot of offense from Fred. They got a lot of offense, not uh, not a lot, but they got some offense from Pascal. Those are probably one or two options with the starting five. Um, it just, I don't know, it just didn't flow well, didn't really click well. They didn't really generate good shots either, and that's what's a little bit strange about it. Um, you know, one thing, I guess, with Pascal is I think the defense, I think at this point, I think having watched the playoffs, um, and even just, you know, if you did more uh, in-depth in scouting over last season, I think teams have a generally a good idea of how to limit and contain Pascal. Not to make him inefficient or, or ineffective, but just limit his effectiveness. And the things that they're doing are like, they're really, really stacking up the paint. 
there when they have smaller guys on him really trying to attack his dribble because his handle is still you know not something that is weak in terms of he's going to have the turnover but right now it's not super tight and if you do pressure on his dribble it's not like he's necessarily going to uh, drive by you at the moment but even if he does drive by there are always extra bodies in the paint he's pretty much always seeing a wall in the paint um, and that's just going to be a little bit tough for him and, and I don't think Pascal's providing so far the uh, amount of pressure on the rim, uh, both in terms of his scoring and also his drives to maybe assist someone else that, um, you know, he was at the start of last year where he was just like getting to the rim at will. Um, I think defenses eventually, I mean, teams eventually build up uh, you know, a good idea of how to play people. And I think the Hornets had a good idea of how to play the, uh, Pascal. Now, I will say, I think Pascal today, and I think Pascal, well, more so today than, than in game one, but uh, Pascal let the game come to him, which I actually really do appreciate. He's very efficient, right? Five of seven from the field, two of four from three. Uh, you know, some of those were like late shot clock threes that he airballed, whatever. But, you know, over the actual, you know, re- regular shots, he was he was hitting them. He had a mid-range as well. Um, you know, he had three assists, mostly playmaking out of the post where he was, again, drawing extra attention. He was really solid. Um, he was really... He, he, played his, he played his role well. It's just... I do think that there needs to be a way to f- find something for him to get going to the rim. Uh, obviously, that's where he is most effective. Look, he's not going to jump over everybody, and um, you know he 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 is big, but he's not that big. He's not like Giannis; he's just going to crush people and go to the rim anyway. But um, you know, I, I just I, there needs to be there needs to be ways for Pascal to still be effective at the rim because I think the playmaking is great. Um, I think that the shooting is encouraging. You know, he was three of six in game one, two of four today. Pretty good. And honestly, the form looks solid, everything like that. His confidence looks good. His attitude, the meaner looks good. Everything looks good. Uh, I would just like to see him get to the rim. It could just be preseason, whatever. But it's something, obviously, people are going to keep a close eye on. Um, Pascal is obviously a, a big area of focus for a lot of people. I know there's a lot of residual anger over him, which is... Still a little bit weird to me that people are just outright angry at him, but, you know, I, I mean, I get it. I guess fandom is not necessarily supposed to be super rational, and also he just wasn't that good against the Celtics in a very close series where the Raptors could have won and gone back to the conference finals for the third time in, you know, uh, five seasons. But I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily a reason to be angry at a specific person. But, yeah, Pascal, you know, he, he again, this is not a real game that you can really critique. It's just sort of like... Sometimes you do want more. I don't think he played a bad game by any means. Um, Fred played a great game, uh, especially with his scoring. You know, with the first unit, again, as I mentioned, like the lack of scoring with the with that group, Fred really had to force the issue a little bit. I thought he did that um, effectively in game one where he broke that uh, 22 to nothing run with a ridiculous layup and then a banked in three, and all of a sudden the Raptors were, okay, cool, we can you know score and relax a little bit and play free-flowing again. Uh, today, kind of the same deal. The, the starters weren't really doing well, so Fred had to do a lot more scoring. And man, Fred was just on one. Like he, it felt very much like Fred early on was like, "All right, I'm the point guard. I'm going to try to set up people. Let's give Norm a couple of extra looks. You know, let's give Pascal a couple extra looks. Um, you know, maybe see what happens." Uh, and then later on, he was just like, "No, I, <laughs> the rest of the guys aren't necessarily backing me up here. So let me just jumpstart this car real quick. Let's get us back into the game." Erased this 14 point deficit. Uh, man, he was hitting ridiculous threes. He was getting to the rim for these really tough layups. Uh, I mean, he was sensational. In addition to the fact that he's still quite good defensively, still, 
you know, three steals today, five steals in game one. Um, outrageous stuff. Outrageous stuff from Fred. And again, the shot making is just really fun. We all know that he can get really hot and, and make some a string of, of, of difficult shots uh, and really pour it on there. Um, having that sort of uh, ability to take over. Uh, again, we, we obviously saw that uh, <clears throat> in game six of the uh, 2019 NBA Finals where he had 12 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, to secure the NBA championship. So pretty impressive. This is obviously a preseason game against the Hornets. So, of course, Fred was able to turn it on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know if necessarily that's his role to score like this. Uh, but certainly it was appreciated. I mean, this is kind of something that Kyle would have done. Uh, where, okay, the rest of the team's, you know, not doing that well. Let me just sort of jumpstart my team. And, and Fred jumpstarted the team. He more than jumpstarted the team, actually. He, I mean, he became the team for a little bit. And he was scoring... At will. I mean, again, Rogier was trying to go at him. Rogier made a one or two shots, whatever. Okay, cool. And then Fred would just come back and just bang these deep threes. I mean, that one stretch he, you know, saw us for us. He was leading a three on two fast break. I think he got the steal. Uh, read that his players were, you know, you know, the Hornets were going to drop back and take away his passing options and just calmly stepped into a 30 foot pull up three with like 22 seconds on the shot clock, switched it. Um, Fred's amazing, man. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know there's always an agenda against Fred, too. And I, I get that a game against the Hornets doesn't prove anything. But, I mean, if if an NBA Finals game doesn't prove anything or if a Conference Finals game doesn't prove anything, then uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know. I guess people are always just going to be stuck on the fact that Fred is, you know, small and, and, and build narratives around him. But, no, Fred is a sensational player, man. I mean, we, we see it all the time. Um, and we saw it here tonight. 23 points, um, really, really good. And, of course, he hit a buzzer beater, too, where for some reason the Hornets, uh, at the end of the first half, had the ball with four seconds left. They, they inbounded straight to DeAndre Bembry. Bembry passed to Pascal, was cutting through in the lane, and Pascal dumped it back to the three-point line to Fred, who he thought was open, but it turns out that Gordon Hayward is right there, and uh, he flew right by Fred, and Fred hit this, like, one-handed uh, double pump Three to beat the buzzer uh, <laughs> uh, to make it a three-point game heading to halftime. But no, Fred was sensational. We all knew Fred is is really good. You know that's that's great. What's really exciting and new because new is always exciting is obviously Malachi Flynn, um, the rookie. Uh, you know, again, I, I talked to him up a lot in the um, in the first uh, podcast. I've talked uh, about uh, Malachi quite a bit as well uh, in terms of preview podcasts and things like that after the draft. The reaction, I you know, I've I like the pick. I, 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 I went, as soon as you watch some tape on the guy, because obviously I'm not watching college games, but as soon as you got some tape on the guy and you saw the way he played, uh, it's something that clearly stands out, that he is very, very polished and very, very skilled for his age and um, his competition. And again, as a rookie, he looks nothing like a rookie. I mean, he is very, very polished, very, very smooth, um, and kind of complete. That's the thing with rookies. They come in like... Um, they're coming like Ikea sets. Like, you got to, like, build that thing yourself. You got to build this, like, confusing Swedish uh, word that they usually slap on the side of the label, and then you got to, like, really labor through four hours uh, to, to build a lamp or something. And and that's usually how rookies are. You really have to build them piece by piece. And I'm not saying there's nothing for Malachi to work on, but, I mean, he doesn't really have an obvious weakness at this moment, which uh, is quite nice. I mean, obviously, we watch him closely and, you know, uh, we, we will get to see some of the more limitations that he has, especially when teams build a scouting report on him. But we saw, like, you know, 
a lot of what Malachi has to offer today um, in terms of early in the game. He comes into the game, gets um, Cody Zeller one-on-one in a, in, a, in a mismatch, crosses him up twice on the perimeter, uh, and then leaves him for dead in the middle of the paint before pulling up for a mid-range jumper. That was his first shot, first shot of the game. I was like, all right, <laughs> this guy, man, he is ready. He's serious. He comes out every night to kill. And, um, yeah, he just continued throughout the game. I thought the third quarter was really his quarter. Um, you know, he hit, uh, he, he missed a, a three, uh, that was late shot clock three. He missed a three. And then the very next possession comes back to the exact same spot on the wing. Uh, gets the screen defender drops back a little bit and he confidently rises up for the pull up three. That's huge. He definitely needs to have that pull up three in his game to succeed as a smaller guard, especially in the modern NBA. But we all knew that. He's a good pick-and-roll guard. He was a good shooter in college, and he's shown to be a good shooter now. It's not some sort of aberration. Uh, we also saw, you know, when the defense, when the defense did run him off the three-point line, he got uh, to the mid-range, stopped, calmly went up for the mid-range shot, swish. Uh, when he drove into the lane, uh, you know, the defenses were sitting back at the rim against him after he was run off the line once again. And a uh, little right-handed floater, that's something that is really, really nice in his game. Uh, you know, when you're small, you really need to find ways to finish. Kyle is very crafty at drawing fouls. He has obviously the, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got the, 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 the big, uh, you, you know, you know what Kyle, what, you know what Kyle has. Uh, but, you know, he uses that booty to really create space in the paint. Obviously, he's got a lot of athleticism as well. Uh, so he's able to get to the rim and do that. Fred has got more of his sort of spinning layups, you know, using angles, the the, the mini Kyrie package. Uh, and then Flynn, his sort of special thing in finishing around the rim is that floater, that, that right-handed floater. He hit it around a 45% clip at the college level. Um, and it's nice, actually, because I, I don't remember the last Raptor that had a really good floater, um, quite honestly. Um, but yeah, Flynn, you know, was able to flip in one of those floaters. He's just a really solid player, and you know he, he's shown to be able to play off the ball. You know he can catch and shoot. He knows how to relocate. He knows how to play with another playmaker, and even the the playmaking, the assists, man. I mean, like there's one player where you know he, he he's got uh, you know got downhill off the pick and roll, got into the paint. The third defender roll came over to him, wrap around pass along the baseline to find a corner shooter for three. I believe it was TD. I mean, there's nothing really to argue with. Flynn is quite good. I mean, he, he hasn't really. And, of course, on top of that, he has the defense. I mean, he's been really solid. Uh, one thing I already really, really appreciate about him is that he closes out well, um, which is important because you're going to be scrambling quite a bit in Nick Nurse's offense or in Nick Nurse's defense where they're so aggressive and obviously protecting the paint and so aggressive in stacking the lane with extra help and running people off the three-point line. You're going to need to rotate, and you're going to need to be able to be controlled in your rotations. I thought, honestly, the starters did a poor job of rotating. Uh, in terms of under control, I thought some of the bench guys, Chris Boucher in particular, was just like jumping at everything. It was kind of annoying to watch. Um, just the simplest of pump fakes, and this guy was like, you know, a three feet into the air. Um, you know, Flynn is very, very calm and confident. You know, he's just going to close out under control, absorb the contact, slow down the drive. And that is so important in the modern NBA. I mean, uh, rotations are so difficult. A lot of players don't end up figuring it out for their whole careers. Um, and Flynn is already at a level where he can defend at that level, which is great. And it's out of one of the most difficult positions at point guard. So Flynn was solid. And, you know, he had a really nice uh, steal against Lonzo Ball where good screen uh, by the Hornets got Flynn behind the play, but Flynn was able to reach back in 
and catch Lonzo from behind before collecting the steal and I believe finding TD once again for the dunk. So, um, yeah, Malachi, man, he, he looks good. He looks good. I mean, he had five turnovers today. I think some of those were just the, the referees are blowing a really weird whistle. Like, there's so many, like, just, like, moving screen calls or, like, uh, traveling calls just off, like, the, you know, players just trying to reverse the ball. And they're like, oh, you slightly moved your pivot foot. A lot of calls today. Um, you know, there was, what, 55 free throws shot and a combined 50, oh, no, four, 47 uh, turnovers by the two teams. So it was pretty nasty um, out there. But, um, yeah, I thought Flynn was quite good. You know, brought in an extra energy with the second unit, played a lot with the second unit. And I actually liked that the fact that the Hornets extended their minutes. So sometimes it was like, okay, the Raptors, by the end of midway through the third quarter, you know, Nick had yanked most of their starters. And, you know, for the Hornets, they were still keeping their main guys in for a little bit. And we got to see what Flynn looks like against some of their tougher guys. Does not look out of place, man. Does not look out of place. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, he's, he obviously had two good games in preseason against the Hornets. So that's not necessarily going to make or break his career. So, again, we got to keep some expectations in check. But he's quite good. He is quite good. And I'm very happy the Raptors took him. With the 29th pick, again, as of right now, if I had to win a game tomorrow, would I rather have LaMelo or would I rather have Flynn, the number three pick and the number 29 pick? Give me the number 29 pick, man. He's quite good, you know? Turns out uh, the, he was one of the best guards in college. The Raptors drafted him, and now he's, you know, looking like one of the better guards in the rookie class. Like, who could have known this would have happened? I mean, I don't know how the teams really whiff on players like this, but Flynn already looks like, you know, uh, yet another success story when we look back and i do another, like, oh, yeah, here's a redraft. You know, Pascal would have went this number instead of 27. Or OG would have went this, you know, in the top five instead of 23 or whatever he was picked at. Norm Powell being 46. Fred going on drafted. I'm going to put Flynn on that list very, very soon. Very, very soon. So, the second unit as a whole played decently. You know, Matt Thomas wasn't as good in terms of hitting shots. You know, I think the Hornets put a bigger emphasis on taking away his three. Uh, but he also just didn't have the ball as much. I wanted to see him play more on the ball, uh, but he was more off the ball. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Matt also just didn't hit some of his shots. You know, the one shot he hit was a leaning Bankton shot, uh, which was okay. Um, in terms of other guys on the bench, to be honest, okay, so I've seen quite a bit of Boucher with the bench and then also Alex Len with the bench. Chris, I, you know, Nick Nurse wants to give Chris that spot. I asked Nick uh, after. After practice between game one and two, like, what do you, you know, what do you want to do with your backup centers? Do you want to platoon? Because it makes kind of sense, right? You know, Chris Boucher is rangy, athletic, um, you know, can shoot the three, play more in transition. Uh, Len is obviously a more traditional seven footer, is going to stay around the paint, solid rebound for you, be big, uh, and not really provide too much offensively. Um, but honestly, so far, I mean, Len has been, I think it really should come down to fit. But what, what Nurse told me was like, look, you know, we want to give Chris that first opportunity. We want to get him consistent minutes, a consistent role. He's been here three years now. This is his third year. Uh, we got him the contract. Let, you know, let's give him the opportunity to run with it. I don't think Chris has lost that opportunity by any means. But, um, you know, I mean, he's kind of compromising it right now. He's sabotaging himself a little bit. I mean, in this performance, he jumped, he left his feet at least five times. And all five times, I don't think he needed to. One time he did block a three, which was great. Fantastic. But, like, I mean, if you're going to give up five drives and only collect one block, that's not a good ratio by any means. 
Um, and, you know, even some things like, you know, Gordon Hayward was just like, got him with like a simple up fake in the mid range and, and, and Boucher jumped into him. Like, Gordon doesn't even do that DeMar stuff, but, you know, Boucher just got to be a little bit better there. You don't make mistakes to sabotage your opportunity because this is going to be a big one for you. Uh, nevertheless, in terms of the second unit, um, you know, to me, it looks like Alex has been a little bit more solid with that group. I, I think Alex offers you a way higher floor. In terms of just consistent. We know what he's going to do. He's going to be seven feet. He's going to grab rebounds. He's going to be big around the rim. He's going to stay home. Chris has been uh, trying to do it more. And sometimes it's not necessarily been as successful with it. So, you know, I would still go. I honestly, I would really want to see what Chris can do with the second unit. I, I think he's given a lot of good quotes about what he wants to do. He's talked about how he doesn't need to take as many shots with the kind of guys that have offense about the second unit. I love hearing that because, you know, he doesn't need to take as many shots. He just needs to focus on defense and playing with energy. And he played with energy, but didn't really play with his head as much. But um, it's nice knowing that Len, as another preserve option, is there. And again, especially with matchups, you know, maybe you do want to use Len once in a while uh, because he's quite... Quite serviceable. I, I think I, that's the word I'm going to use with Len all year. Is serviceable, not sexy, but serviceable. Um, in terms of their other things, so another thing that's kind of cropping up now is that the Raptors have a little bit too many options at shooting guard in the reserve spot. So obviously, when Kyle comes back, Norm's going to go to the second unit. And then when you're looking at just like forget the positions for a second and just look at who are the best five players to come off the bench, I would say Flynn is on that list. Norman's on that list. TD is on that list. Matt Thomas is on that list. And honestly, what I saw from, from Bembry today, Bembry was quite good. So Bembry might be the fifth best player to come off the bench. Those five guys are all guards. They're all guards. None of them can really play small forward. I mean, you can get away with Bembry as small forward, but he is Macaw-sized. So, I don't know. That's not great. That's that's not great on the whole. Um, you know, um, I've... Yeah, I mean, you know, TD was a little bit more effective. was probably the most effective shooting guard uh, offensively. He does make a lot of mistakes, and I really don't want to get into it beyond that. Um, but, you know, I guess he could play three, but, I mean, realistically, you just have too many shooting guards. Uh, and, and and what's going to happen is one of them is just not going to play, uh, or you make some sort of roster move, whether, you know, that's relating with TD and his legal situation whether that's relating to maybe you you move Norm or something like that because this is the last year of his deal before he can potentially opt out next year. Something. But you do have a bit of a good problem right now with too many good shooting guards. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, as of, at the moment, it looks like the second unit is going to be quite small. I think it's shaping up that way. The good thing is that they have good players off the bench. So, that's it, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have. Um, you know, they have honestly good scores off the bench too which is nice i think flynn really adds a level of security and again if he can really secure minutes right off the bat he can keep minutes down for kyle he can keep minutes down for fred so that they're not always having to play with the second unit because they didn't have a backup point guard um you know mccaw is still in that mix too right so that's like like six guys that are essentially all shooting guards in the lineup to be honest it's a roster construction issue uh, the Raptors just need to sort of... They, ideally, you would just convert two of those guys into small forwards or power forwards, and you'd be very, very balanced. Um, but yeah, right now, that is a bit of an issue. I'm very curious to see how Nick gets around that, how, how maybe something creative. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we, we saw, you know, in terms of rotational notes, I know this podcast is running long already, but um, apparently I'm very intrigued by Raptors Hornets on a Monday. 
we saw OG play a lot of reserve to uh, reserve um, backup power forward with the second unit. I think he gives them good size. I think he gives them good uh, defense at that spot. They really, really need some more defense with that group just because they're small. Their scoring is decent, and OG fits into that, so there's no real questions there. But, yeah, I think it would be a good chance for OG to get some more minutes um, to get some more offensive opportunities. Realistically, if OG wants to expand his offense and expand his role, um, the second unit is going to offer him more of an opportunity to showcase that. I'm not saying he's going to be like the go-to score off the bench. He's going to be like Lou Williams or something. He's not. Uh, but, you know, maybe some more expanded opportunities because obviously the starting five is going to have, uh, you know, their top three scorers and, and Fred, Kyle, and, and Pascal. Um, but, yeah, I thought that's interesting. Uh, but, I mean, realistically, the backup four is a need, and I think that's probably why the Raptors brought in guys like Watanabe, um, guys like uh, Alize Johnson um, with, uh, of course, um, you know, Paul Watson of, and uh, and O'Shea Brissett still in contention from last year. Like, pretty much what they're trying to find is just one decent small... Oh, and of course, Stanley Johnson. One decent small forward guy who can kind of slide up to power forward. To be honest, the one that's leading the pack right now is Watanabe. He's played well. Nick keeps talking about how well he's... You know, he, he likes him. Uh, he comes in, you know, he fits the flow of the team, doesn't really, you know, hinder the team, which um, is already kind of big because one of the other guys come in... Johnson, I mean, Alize Johnson, I don't think he's really done much. I don't really think he's going to make the team. Stanley is Stanley. You know what you know, you know the deal there. Um, Paul Watson has got a lot of hype. Hasn't really made too big of an impact uh, in this game. I thought in game one, he was probably the best player from that third group. But the fact that he played with the third group is maybe a little eye, uh, eyebrow raising. And O'Shea played today um, after not playing in game one. And we know he he can do physical presence solid. I mean, I don't mind O'Shea as the backup four. I just think they need a little bit more skill from that position. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, that's probably what's going to come down to. They're probably looking. They're well, they're not probably. They're clearly looking for a forward with that 15th spot. Um, and honestly, after Utah Watanabe answered Rice Cooker to the question, "What did you pack for uh, this three month long trip to Tampa?" Uh, <laughs> that already has Watanabe uh, ahead in my books. Um, you know, as you know, the the two main Asian um, lifesavers, I would say, or like life essentials, are rice cookers and instant noodles. Um, I know this because uh, I mean, a when I emigrated to, to to Canada, like you know, we actually packed like four bags of instant noodles just so that that you know that could be our first meal when we crossed over. Uh, and also, I know this because while my parents go camping and stuff, they literally bring a rice maker, which is hilarious to think about people making rice in a rice maker f- through their car battery uh, in the middle of Algonquin Park. Uh, <laughs> that's how that's how attached we are to rice. So shout out Utah. He's already number one in my book. I might be a little biased. But no, I mean, I honestly think he's been real solid and Nick likes him too. So that's nice. Um, and then the other thing is just, oh yeah, Bembry. Bembry played well. He played, he came in. Give a good impact. I, I, I don't mean to leave him for last. I think he was actually quite impactful. He got extended run with the starters, obviously with OG sort of shifting down to play with the second unit a little bit. Someone had to take his spot. And Bembry was quite good. I mean, you know, uh, really, really clever cutter. Um, opportunistic, especially when reading the defense, cutting in from not just the baseline where he 
uh, snuck behind the defense against drives and got in for layups, but also one from the wing where he, again, did the same thing from the weak side. Um, I think the Hornets defenders off ball were just pretty garbage, but whatever. Um, Bembry, obviously, clearly opportunistic there, and he banged in a three, which is nice because um, I don't think he can shoot threes. He's a career 27% three-point shooter. He did hesitate quite a bit uh, on the, the, the three that he made. He also hesitated on another wide-open corner three. Uh, and we're going to need him to take that and make that, but you handle the ball a little bit. Um, he can he can do a couple of things uh, in terms of um, you know his his playmaking defensively. He's active. You know, picked up full court. Uh, you know, Nick Nurse called him a utility guy. Fred VanVleet called him kind of that Pat McCaw role. And yeah, honestly, I don't know why it was hard for me to kind of explain what Bembry did for the team, but he's essentially what. McCaw did, and maybe a little bit more offensively inclined. McCaw, if you mix a little bit of that Rondé's ability to sh- to want to shoot with McCaw's, you know, inability to ever want to shoot. But yeah, Bembry's somewhere in between. I mean, I, I don't know how necessarily his skill set fits because there is a redundancy. But I liked what he showed today, man. He played well. You know, he clearly knows how to play. He's a smart player, just like McCaw is a smart player. And he has a couple of skill sets that, you know, I think could fit with a lot of different lineups. So I like Bembry out there too. But again, there's just a lot of guards on this team. There's a lot of guards on this team. And you knew that even before they played. But there's a lot of guards on this team. And I don't really know how Nick's going to resolve that. So um, that's probably something for Bobby Webster and Masai to handle. But um, in terms of your three stars from this game, uh, Fred obviously gets the first star. 23 points, four assists, three steals, nine of 12 shooting from the field, five of seven from three. Uh, again, go back and watch some of the highlights, man. Fred was, you know, he got into that that zone, and he was quite, quite, quite good. Uh, I'm going to get the second star to Malachi Flynn. Second uh, uh, game in a row where he's gotten the second star. 17 points uh, off the bench. Three assists, two steals. Seven of 12 from the field. Three of eight from three plus 13 in the box score in 20 minutes. Quite, quite, quite good, man. I'm really excited to see what Malachi can do this year. Uh, and again, the, the bandwagon is starting, so please uh, claim your spot now because it will fill up very quick. And then the third star, I mean, honestly, I might give it to Bembry. I, I like Bembry's performance tonight a lot. Um, I thought, especially when the Raptors were more stuck in the mud earlier in the game, Bembry came in and was opportunistic. And I honestly just really appreciate players that make smart plays. Didn't really make a, def- a mistake defensively, Bembry. Uh, you know, stayed even though he's not necessarily a creator offensively but was able to you know um handle the ball a little bit you know had two assists got a steal two rebounds you know nine points four or four from the free throw line most of those were fouled off cuts you know uh you know got a three to drop as well you know talk trash to the the hornets bench a little bit uh it's all good man it's it's all good it's it's all good and i'm honestly if Bembry can do something i mean he, he joined the team on a league minimum so That'd be a win, and honestly, he's he's a he's a heads up player, so he he gets my third star. In terms of the Gerald Henderson Award, um, I mean, uh, let's give it to Jalen McDaniel's. Uh, it's the yeah second year player off the bench for the Hornets, fifteen points. You know, kind of tall. You know, like I don't know. I thought he was Jonathan Isaac out there for a second before I realized I was watching the Hornets. But, uh, yeah, 6'10", wing player, not nearly as built as Isaac but uh, or defensively sound, but, you know, hit his threes, you know, 
decent-ish player, I guess. I, I don't know. I haven't really watched them. Honestly, I want to give the. I actually want to give the Gerald Henderson Award to Bismack Biombo for the fact that he's now evidently really good at passing out of the short role. Because I don't remember Bismack ever making good passes before. Obviously, he played with the Raptors that very memorable 2015-16 season in which I believe he equaled one of Hakeem Olajuwon's playoff records for rebounds at 26. Something like he, something like he broke like a 20, like a 30-year-old re- record for rebounds in the playoffs. Shout out Bismack Biyombo. You know, salute Bismack. He's always welcome in Toronto. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't remember him passing much ever. But apparently now, if you throw the ball to Bismack Biyombo on the roll and the help comes off the corner, Bismack is excellent at picking out the corner shooter like he's Draymond Green or something. It was real strange to see the last two games where Bismack, com- you know, consistently found the open uh, kickout pass off the short roll, which I do not remember that being in Toronto. So good for Bismack showing that growth. I'm sorry, Jalen McDaniels. We love Biz in Toronto. Biz is going to get that Gerald Henderson award strictly for making two or three good passes in a span of uh, three games. Um, so that does it with the podcast. Uh, again, thanks everyone for listening. The Ration Pod will be here all season after every game. Find it on YouTube, on the Yahoo Sports Canada YouTube page. I appreciate it. The first uh, reaction video did huge numbers, which... Um, Great. I guess everyone was starving for basketball uh, in a pandemic. Uh, but I appreciate it. I uh, really uh, love the support, everything like that. You know, leave me feedback, especially on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, continue to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you, if you don't do that already, um, the reason I'm, doing, I'm asking for it is, A, because it makes me feel better uh, to see reviews and to hear reviews. Uh, I do read them. Um, I am vain, and I do appreciate it a lot of the nice things that are said and honestly all the feedback I try to incorporate into uh, the show and the podcast and then the the most important part of the reviews aside from you know my own ego is that uh, it helps to surface the podcast to people who are interested in finding you know Raptors content but uh, you know obviously you know most of the content you see nowadays is, is determined based off algorithms in terms of YouTube in terms of Spotify in terms of Apple uh, you know podcast charts uh, it's going to have to be surfaced to them. And one of the reasons, uh, one of the ways that does get surfaced to them is when you leave reviews, especially on the podcast feed uh, on, on, on iTunes. So, um, yeah, continue the rate, review, subscribe. It, it helps to grow the show. And, uh, yeah, and I already appreciate everyone who's uh, already uh, watching and listening from day one. So, uh, thanks again to everyone. Thanks to Yahoo. Thanks to the Raptors for being 2-0 and so far. We haven't had to uh, panic and melt down about anything just yet. I'm sure it'll happen very soon. People will be turning on every player on the team very, very quickly as the stress of the season goes on. But for now, the Raptors look quite good, man. They look solid. They got things to work on. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a fun team. And they, they brought in some new fun players. I, uh, I'm i looking forward to covering the team. So thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll be back um, later in the week with another podcast. Uh, on Raptors of Everything, just to uh, discuss the course of the you know the, the the preseason and everything like that, and then obviously Friday Raptors take on the Heat 7 p.m. in Tampa Bay. Uh, can't wait. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 